I'm gonna make that note be gone away. I'm gonna make that note be gone today. I'm gonna make that note be gone away. I'm gonna make that note be gone today. Welcome to Time Out with Britt and Lisa, where we help educate you about people who suffer from narcissistic personality disorder, to whom we refer to as the narc. That's and right. a narc, the narc. <laughs> the narc, yes. And a narc is a person who does not have the ability to show or feel any concern for or really have a connection with anyone. Right. And they only are concerned about themselves. And we refer to, you know, these people as the narcs, but this term is broad enough to really include, you know, self-centered people and toxic people in your life. That's correct. You know, the narc can be anyone. It could be your parent and coworker, boss. It could be your fiance, your sibling. But today we want to talk specifically about emotionally distancing yourself from the narc and how important it is when you're involved in a primary relationship and in order to make that narc be gone. Right. Yeah. And it's so important to learn this emotional distancing, especially right now, this historic time when much of our community is under a stay-at-home order. And it makes it so difficult to physically distance yourself when you, you know, are in a physical space that you cannot step away from. That's exactly right. And listeners, we do want you to know that we might sound a little bit different today than usually because Britt and I are socially distancing ourselves while we do this podcast. Britt is at her house and I am at mine. So we have a different setup. So you might hear a little bit of an echo. You might hear it not be quite as clear as it has been, but do know that that's temporary as this social distancing stay-at-home order is temporary. But we are very happy to be with you here today and to help continue walking you through your journey of making what, Britt? That narc narc be gone. gone. (laughs) Yes. And hopefully soon we'll be together. (laughs) Yes, that's correct. In the same space. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Well, listeners, today we want to talk to you again about emotional distancing and the importance of it. Let's start with the definition of emotional distancing. It means to put space between your emotions and the actions of the narc. Just like in social distancing, we've learned that it's important in order not to be potentially infected by the coronavirus to keep six feet of space between you and someone else. That helps again to prevent the infection. Well, it's really the same concept when you're talking about emotional distancing. It is important to keep space between you and the narc's actions. So your emotions and the narc's actions, you have to have space between that. And that means not allowing the narc's actions to cause you anger or distress or sadness or depression. It's such a critical, critical step in making that narc be gone. Don't you agree, Britt? Yes, 100%. I agree. And one of the benefits of what we're experiencing right now with learning social distancing and, you know, 
it's awkward, but it's becoming more norm right. is that's the same thing with emotional distancing mm-hmm. is you have to learn this behavior when you're involved with the narc. And, you know, Lisa and I, we've created the nine step narc beyond program that we're so enjoying sharing with you guys. And one of the steps in the narc beyond program is the MBG pause. Right. And the MVG pause happens to be my favorite step in the program because for me, it was the most critical thing that I had to learn when I was involved with in a narcissistic relationship. And, you know, the NART Beyond Pause is the definition of that is the ability to pause mm-hmm. in the midst of chaos and think through your response, regardless of what's going on around you. So it's really you becoming the CEO of your emotions. It's learning mindfulness, how to be emotionally wise, regardless of what's going on around you. That's exactly right. And as Britt mentioned, the pause being part of the nine-step program, it's probably one of, or if not the most critical step. You cannot be healed from your relationship with the narc unless you focus on yourself and emotional distancing is part of that. You are not in control of your emotions if the narc is able to evoke anger from you, to evoke sadness, to evoke depression, to evoke any type of emotion. He is in control. As you know, the narc is executing plays against you to get that control, to get those emotions from you so that he can have all the power. And that's what it is. It's all about him. You cannot be healed from the narc at all unless you are able to have control. I think like Britt says, she has mentioned before, being the CEO of your emotions. And I really like that description, being the CEO of your emotions. And so that really is what emotional distancing means. And so we'd like to talk to you today. It's a terrible time for the country. It is most especially a terrible time for people who are targets or victims of abuse. And narcissistic abuse is a type of abuse. When you are holed up in a house with a narc, it makes really all of your experience, prior experiences with narcs, it's quadrupled. They're the intensity of it, the severity of it. And so just know that we are here with you. We do understand it. And we are here to help you get through it. And today, by talking about the necessity of emotional distancing, it is a step that will help you to get through it. Yes, exactly. And Utilizing these tools in the NARC Beyond program, you really can protect yourself yes. and protect those that you care about by learning this. Because once you learn this, then that's where you you know can get free that's of the exactly situation, right. even if you have to be in the same physical space. That's exactly right. Now, listeners, You all understand, of course, our NBG program that we've talked about many times before today. I would just like to remind you how the structure of that program is and why it's so critical in your emotional distancing. As you remember, the narc executes plays against you, that he uses these plays to control you, to have power over you. 
so that he can manipulate you and he can get what he needs, which are your emotions. And what the Narpigon program does is it teaches you those plays and it teaches you the counter plays so that you can have control over your emotions and make that narc be gone. Now, when you're holed up in a house during this pandemic with a narc, you are, we don't like to say sitting duck, but we do understand that that's a description that could adequately describe what the narc would feel about you, that you're the sitting duck, that you're the sitting target. And so he's going to execute plays against you. There are several plays that he's more likely to execute, but there are four in particular that we'd like to talk to you about today. But what are those plays? Right. So really to learn how to be healthy, emotionally distancing is if you can just learn these four plays, there's lots of plays, but these four I think are the most important. Yes. And of course... Number one is that conflict creator play. Oh, They're yes. <laughs> constantly, you know, causing conflict. And then we've got the ignore play. Yes. And then they've got the blamer and the shamer play. And so, right. you know, those really to me are the four important ones because at times they will be kind and then at times they will be ignoring you. At times, they will be shaming you. And so right. it's just confusing. And I don't know, right. Lisa, do you remember when you were experiencing any of these or have you? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> have I? I have experienced all four of them. And I'm sure you have too, Britt. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Multiple yes. times. Oh, <laughs> yes. And, you know, the interesting thing about these plays, we are going to talk about each of them separately. But do understand, listeners, that these plays are often intermixed with each other so that the narc may use the ignorer play that has evidence or little parts of the shamer blamer play, shamer play and blamer play, and even might have some conflict creator play. So do understand that we have divided these plays up and are teaching them to you, but that each time that the narc engages with you, he or she might actually be engaging in a mixture of different plays. And so do keep those in mind and your, the counterplays that we are teaching you, that those also have a mixture of counterplays that you'll see that go across the board because it's necessary in order to make that narc be gone. Exactly. And by learning how to implement the MBG pause and really mm -hmm. become the CEO of your emotions, you're going to be able to figure out if you happen to be entangled with a narc or not. Right. I think that's an important thing to remember too. So that's one of the things that we hope that you do learn by learning these things exactly. is to really get an understanding because that's, you know, a question we get asked often is, am I with a narc? Right. And mm -hmm. so when you can start to learn how to pause and still be in the same physical space and say, hey, <laughs> are they constantly causing conflict and not right. taking accountability and ignoring me and shaming me and you're feeling confused and drained? Right. Those are really good indications that right. you probably are with an art. Right. That's exactly right. And so Lisa, do you want to share with our listeners, you know, a personal experience or, or you yes. know, I can. <laughs> yes. Well, let's, yeah. let's start off with the ignorer play. Mm -hmm. Listeners, as you know, for the ignorer play, what the narc does is the narc will suddenly and without cause just give you the silent treatment. 
And the the purpose is, of course, to keep your emotions high and focused on him because you're, when he or she suddenly gives you the silent treatment, you're the reasonable response or the most common response would be, what's wrong? What did I do? What's wrong? Why are you silent? Why are you not speaking to me? And what is that? That's an emotion I am exhibiting to him that he has affected me by his sudden silence. And actually, I do have a great example that I dealt with. I remember with my NARC that we had gone to, it was a very exclusive event one night. It's one that we had looked forward to for several weeks. I'd gotten a new dress, gotten all dolled up, everything. And we actually had a really good time. Soon Mm. as the garage door went up and we drove in, walked into the house, he goes and sits down on the sofa and... I said something about, um, I can't remember what I said, but I asked him something and he said nothing. He stared straight ahead and I said, hmm, what's going on? And for the next 30 minutes, he completely ignored me, gave me the silent treatment. And so I, I, of course, was, what's going on? What's wrong? I didn't know what had happened, what I did. You know, of course, that was a question. What did I do? What did I do? And his response was, I just can't take this anymore. And I'm like, what? Take what? And so my emotions were just, I mean, all over the place. I was distraught, really, because I couldn't understand what had I done from the time we got out of the car to walked into the house. And of course, I had done nothing. I had done nothing. So it made me feel I was angry. I was distressed. I was sad. Mm. You know, my emotions were all over the place, which is exactly what he wanted. Right. Yes. And I'm sorry for that, Lisa. Oh, like, you're so sweet. Brit is so I know. sweet. She's so sweet. Now, I do need to say that I, of course, have divorced that narc. I've remarried. I've been remarried for almost 20 years. But one interesting thing is that although the time when that happened was many, many years ago, do you see how clear it is in my memory of what happened and how it stands out? And that is what the narc does when you are going through this do understand that although I do believe certainly that I am healed from it, given the principles that I've used and have been healed for a long time, it still doesn't mean that you forget. And it's important not to forget because if you do forget, there's always that danger of falling back into that type of a relationship in the future. And you don't want to do that. You want to make sure that you are not only healed, but that you prevent yourself from being back in that situation. Exactly. And thanks for sharing that example with us, Lisa. And I think that's a great example because that example shows how y'all's relationship was one-sided. Right. It wasn't about, you know, I'm hearing you tell the story and I'm thinking, I want to ask what dress you were wearing, you know, (laughs) what did you dance to? And you know, and the conversation and the story, how you're relaying it is how he Mm-hmm. was making the focus about him and how he was causing you to focus on making sure his needs were met. And I think that's an important thing to recognize that right. that's an indication that, you know, healthy relationships are two-sided. Absolutely. And it's a give and take. And with the NARPs, the mm-hmm. plays are about them. That's Would, exactly you right. Do you agree with that? Oh, I absolutely agree with that. And of course, now I'm healthy and So I know what I should have done. What counterplay should I have executed in response to his play, the ignore play? Well, Britt, 
what I should have done is I should have said nothing to him. When he sat down on that sofa and gave me the silent treatment, I should have acted like I didn't even hear him. I didn't notice it at all. I should have shown no emotion. I should not have, oh, what happened? What did I do? None of that. I should have said none of that. I should have gone about my business, engaged in my regular activity. I should have gotten on the phone with my friends. That's what I should have done. I should have acted as if it bothered me, not at all. Even if I was at the point that it still did bother me, and deep down I was dealing with it, I should not have shown any emotion. That is the counterplay to the ignore playing. Don't you agree? Yeah, exactly, Lisa. Once you realize that the person you were involved with, you know, was a narc, Mm -hmm. then absolutely. If you still were unsure, the other thing you could have done was implement the MVG pause and step away and said, okay, why am I feeling this? Am I responsible for this? You know, and how to Mm re-engage and see, because that's the other thing, because you're becoming the CEO of your emotions there. Right, right. That's exactly right. Yeah, the pause is a very important step, not only in the NVG program, the linear step of making that narc be gone. It also is a mechanism that you use in order to determine whether or not you need to execute a counterplay, to determine what is exactly happening and to ascertain what's the best position that I need to be in to get myself where I need to go. So the pause, again, as Britt said, is so, so important in uh, making that NARC be gone and in the NARC be gone program. Don't you agree, Britt? Oh, completely. Yes. Because, you know, that's one of the things that we want y'all to realize is, you know, chaos, confusion, uncertainty. Mm -hmm. It just is a part of life. We're experiencing it right now. Yes. Yes, we are. At a heightened level. Right. You're right as the at a heightened level. And understand that stress that we all feel because of the pandemic, because of the coronavirus, because of the economy. Imagine mm-hmm. that on a, in addition to that stress that we feel, then you have to be stressed by the narc while you're holed up in the house. It is quadrupled. The stress is quadrupled. It's so, so, so important to take that pause and to master this emotional distancing. It is important for your health because another play that the narc is going to engage in during this time while you're at home is the shamer play. Don't you agree, Britt? Do you have an example of the shamer play? Did you go through that? I certainly did. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I absolutely did. Yeah. So, you know, and and I like Lisa, you know, had been removed from my situation for a very long time and surrounded by very healthy people. Right. And, you know, utilizing these tools that Lisa and I put together, Mm -hmm. I'm grateful for. So that's why, you know, if you are with an ARC right now in this situation, you know, our heart goes out to you and we understand that change is hard. And with these tools, you know, you really can embrace the chaos and the conflict that's going on and learn how baby steps 
to start to get well. And so one of the main ones that would be used against me was the blamer shamer. And, you know, I was too needy was often said to me. (laughs) And so (laughs) the particular relationship that I was in, they said that their job dictated that they had a phone 24 seven and that they were texting 24 seven. And granted, this is, you know, 15 years ago. So this Mm -hmm. is a while ago before we even had our phones (laughs) 24-7. And he would be on the phone at 3 a.m. texting and doing the stuff. And so it was a time where we were supposed to be going out of town. And he came to me and said, I know it's important to you that I never have the phone, so I'm not going to have the phone. And my response was, well, if you want to have the phone, you can, but I would appreciate it. That would mean a lot. He said, no, I want to do this because I really want our time to be, you know, special. Oh, how sweet. And so, yes. And so we're getting ready to go to the airport and he has his phone out and I look down at it (laughs) and (laughs) he says, what are you looking at? And I'm like, nothing. (laughs) And then he said, what? You're looking at my phone. And I said, well, I thought you had said that you weren't bringing it. And he's like, see, I knew that you were being needy. I didn't say I wasn't going to bring it. I said, I wasn't going to use it. And I said, oh, okay. And then he's texting. And then he would look over at me and wanting me to respond. Mm -hmm. And I tended to be just more silent and internalize it. And start to figure out saying Mm. like, what's going on? What's wrong? Did he say this? Did he not? Am I being over needy? Am I not? Mm -hmm. And it was draining. And so I can see that. Yeah. By day two of the trip, he's on the phone at 3am in the morning, (sighs) you know? And so it was, you know, difficult. I felt sad. Because I felt like I had done something wrong. Right. And, you know, I felt like my needs didn't matter. Mm -hmm. And he would blame me for feeling like, you know what? I like a quiet evening with this person that I care about. Right. And that's healthy. And that is. (laughs) That's healthy and not (laughs) being needy. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And that's why he was trying to shame you by saying you're needy simply because you are trying to hold him accountable for what he said he was going to do. Exactly. And, you know, the counterplay to that, though, Britt, even though you probably didn't even know it, but you really, and it's a lot with your personality, you really executed the counterplay to that on the surface. Now, you hadn't at that point indoctrinated those principles to your emotions. And so on the inside, you weren't there yet. But the way you just described how you responded is a counterplay to it. And that is calmly look them in the eye, show no emotion, explain, well, I thought you said X, Y, Z, and then kind of turn and walk away or turn your attention to something else. That's the counterplay. So the way you had described it, you actually did execute the appropriate counterplay back then. You didn't know who you were dealing with in terms of the narc. You didn't know anything about it at that time. But it's almost as if your personality is really built to sustain the... But it's like, for our listeners, I just want to make clear... These um, Nartbegon principles are based on the love principles, which Brit developed years and years ago. And it's kind of overwhelming to me. It's awesome that to see how they were developed and you didn't even know that you were developing them. So the Nartbegon principles, which are based on the love principles, are based on what you didn't even know what you were doing. It's amazing to me how God 
it works. And I, every time I'm just kind of overwhelmed at seeing when I see little pieces of the puzzle being put together and seeing, oh my God, God was doing that way back then and you didn't even know it because you executed the yeah. proper counterplay to his shamer and blamer, because here it's mainly the shamer, but there are elements of the blamer and the conflict creator in his reaction to you, but you did it. So give me a high five. Well, And I appreciate you saying that. And, you know, as y'all get to know Lisa and I more, you know, it's interesting because you were doing it the same and how God really had our you know, lives intersect is amazing because, you know, that's one of the things that I'm grateful for is, you know, my personality type is a little bit more introverted and yours is a little bit more I'm extroverted. extroverted. I am the yeller <laughs> screamer. Oh my God, what's going on? This That's how I am very outwardly emotional. Whereas Brit is the calm, bubbling water, <laughs> well, bubbling spring, <laughs> sweet. This, I, I would joke with Brit. I'd say, oh, Brit, what are we going to do today? Because that's how Brit is. She is the therapist and she has this nice, soothing voice and everything. I'm like, oh, Brit, what are we going to do today? <laughs> well, well, you're very sweet. <laughs> Well, and, and I actually have had to learn this stuff just like you though, because I think the hardest thing for me, which I think you do a great job, Lisa. So this is for our listeners, which I think is so great how God has brought our two different personalities together is I could execute the calm play and being paused. Mm-hmm. And I struggle with though, then going and taking care of me. So the next which step I is, think yeah, I see. That next step, which, which is very, is very important. Critical. <sighs> yes. And I think you do a really good job of being able to go and take care of yourself. And that's a positive thing. Well, I'm trying to figure it. That's after, well, back then, I'm a different thing now. But after having been away from my narc and healed from my narc, I just have now understood how important it is to take care yes. of yourself because- if you don't, it's almost like I have an obligation to take care of myself, not only for me, but for my children. Because if I don't take care of myself and if I'm not here, then my children, not that I'm like this all a wonderful thing, but you know, I am their mother. <laughs> I don't want them to be without a mother, that kind of stuff. So that's how I've, I had to train my thought process into not feeling like, oh, I'm being selfish or something, but really I'm not being selfish because I'm making sure I'm here to take care of my children. I tell my kids, grandparents and stuff, you you have an obligation to continue to be healthy. They're healthy and, and exercise and everything. You have, yeah, you have an obligation to because the kids need grandparents. And I feel the same way about parents and anyone. You have an obligation to your friends, to your family, to live the best life that you can live and to be healthy so that you continue to be here. Because when, if I'm gone, feel I'm going to be in heaven, but the people you leave behind, they're left right. strong. So yes, you have an obligation. Exactly. And I think that's, yeah. And I think that's one of the blessings I think. And one of the things that, that Lisa and I share in our stories is when you do have a child with someone that has this narcissistic personality disorder, right? you start to wake up to, well, what's important? Yes. And so then you start asking yourself, you know, is this a real connection? Right. And what's going on? And why are both of the needs about that person? Right. And 
that's something that I see that's, you know, very common of how people do get out of that relationship. So like you were saying, I remember a mentor of mine said to me and my relationship when I was dealing with my situation, because I said, I don't know what to do. There was so much confusion. Mm -hmm. And the person gave me the best advice. I have a lot of good advice that I've been blessed to have very healthy, wise people around me, mm-hmm. you being one, Lisa. Oh, we you're, so <laughs> you're so sweet. You're so sweet. Britt is the best. <laughs> an angel in my life. We'll go into that at a later time. But this person, he said to me, Bridget, your son is your true north. Mm-hmm. So when you have to make decisions, make the decision that's best for him. And that yes. helped me so much. Mm-hmm. And also I made God my true north. You know, I think that's our foundational prayer that, Mm -hmm. you know, we see that's just being shared on social media, Uh, which I'm so grateful for because it's it's just, you're asking God just to open your eyes to see your truth because this is everyone's story. This is your story and every person's voice matters and your life matters. Absolutely. And so that's one of the things, you know, that that we want to- Absolutely the truth. That's absolutely the truth. And when you have a child, like Britt said, that for some reason, it seems to be the catalyst. It certainly was for me. It was the catalyst for me to, okay, figure out what the hell is going on and to ensure that my child would suffer the least for it, which meant that I had to divorce him. There just was no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Now it took, of course, it's not things like those decisions and those realizations don't come overnight. It does take time, but you do have to understand like this, through this process and through this education of the narc, one of the things that I certainly understood and understand is as bad as it is for me to have suffered in a primary relationship with the narc, it doesn't compare to the child of a narc. The child will forever have some type of relationship, even if it's a distant one, with the narc and has to get the skills and acquire the skills to love themselves and to deal in a healthy way with the narc. That I realized, and as a parent of a child with narc, I have an obligation to put them in the best position that they can be. Because what you don't want is that narc to do constantly like the fourth play, the conflict creator play that they're going to execute against you as you're holed up with them in this pandemic. You don't want your child to have to deal with that type of stuff forever. I mean, because really their entire lives, because that's what they'll be subjected to. Children of narcs are not immune. They are not exempt from the narcs plays. And so I'm sure because part of what you just described with your ex, that was part of a conflict creator play. Were there any other conflicts or anything like that, that any other plays where he used the conflict creator play that you can think of that stand out in your mind? Well, yeah. And just to double click on what you just said about the children though, and this goes back Mm -hmm. to the emotional distancing that we're talking about, of becoming the CEO of your own life, Mm -hmm. because it is a silver lining that can come out of the situation of you stepping out of the toxic situation, Mm -hmm. because if you learn how to handle your emotions in a healthy way, children learn by what we do, not by what we say. Mm. And when the Mm -hmm. MBG pause and this emotional healthy is very value driven. It's great. It's you taking ownership of your behavior Mm -hmm. and you allowing that person to take care of their behavior. Right. 
Mm-hmm. And that to me can be a blessing mm-hmm. that the children can learn how to be mentally strong, emotionally healthy, right. and, you know, learn how to deal with conflict because conflict is a part of life. Right. And so to answer your question, <laughs> do you want the list of conflict creators that I can <laughs> share with you? <laughs> or do we think it's time for oh, yay. game time? Game time, game time. I feel like having a little bit of fun. Yes, yes, yes. Sorry. (laughs) You'll learn this about I love to play games. (laughs) And I think Lisa thinks that she is ahead. Oh, no, tied. Yes, we are. We're tied. What is the score? It's one and a half points to one and a half points. And for those listeners who are just joining us today, this is the first time. Britt and I are playing a game and we are keeping track. Now, the game is our NBG game. It is a card game and Lisa's laughing. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we're having fun yes, here. Having fun. Yeah, so what we are laughing about is <laughs> since we're not in the same space, right. Lisa was trying to ask me, well, which place were you going to ask me? I was like, I am not telling you. <laughs> so she does not know what play I'm going to have. So oh I could be goodness. a little competitive. <laughs> I'm just being playful, that really. Is, so far, listeners understand the game is that. It's Britt's turn. She will pick a card from the deck, from our NBG card deck, and she will ask me about a specific play or counterplay. I will have to define it, and I have to give an example. And so I have the possibility of getting two points. If I miss or if I don't get a point, we have actually talked about changing some of the rules such that you actually lose points. But hey, I think we're just right now just accumulate points. So right now we are tied. Britt has 1.5 and I have 1.5. No losing points. We all want to win. <laughs> That's true. We're winners. That's when everyone's having fun. No. Okay. So here we go. Okay. So sorry. I like this little thing. So I'm going to do it again. Okay. So Lisa, yes. here we go. Here's the example. Okay, so if you remember, and it is important because we have not said this, that narcs come in all packages. Yes. Men, women, you know, we categorize them three different types. You know, Dangerous Dan, Dangerous Diana um, is one type. We've got Grand, Grand George, George or Grand Georgia, second type. And we've got Sweet Sue. Sweet or Sam. sweet Sam, yes. <laughs> right? That's the third type, and so I'm going to give you an example. Okay, okay. So Lisa, here we go. <laughs> the example is Grand George tells you that you are being inconsiderate mm. of his sleep when you attempt to snuggle with him <laughs> in the middle of the night on a vacation. Oh. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Which play is that? That is the shamer play. Yay! Yay! I have okay, 2.5 so points. Excited. I have 2.5 points. <laughs> and should we share with our audience? That actually happened to me. Yes. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, how, how am I selfish? Because I'm trying to snuggle with you. And but. you guys were on vacation too, weren't you? Then you say you guys thought that is hilarious, actually. (laughs) Yes. So sorry. Yes. (laughs) To make you feel ashamed for snuggling during vacation. I mean. Exactly. For having a need. Right. That's exactly right. And the shamer play. For (laughs) connection. That's it. The shamer play attempts to shame you for some insignificant common 
action or statement that you make. And it attempts to make you feel shame for something that you should not feel shame for. And so that's a great example. It's actually a little funny too, Britt, but it's a great, great yeah, example. Yeah, sorry. I know. I, I just actually drew a card, so I didn't know which one that I was going to be reading. Okay. Now I have a total of 2.5 points. So the second one is, I told you the shamer, and then I have to give an example of it to get my other point. I know. This happened to me. This is an example. It's where, yet again, we went out to an event and I had actually changed my outfit three times because I couldn't make up my mind. When we stepped in the door of the event, he turns to me and says, why'd you wear that blue dress? You should have put on the red one. You look fat. Mm. So to make me feel ashamed of what I had on and my right. weight, just my appearance. But of course, he waited until we got to the event before he said, anything about which outfit I should put on. So that is an example of yeah, the shamer play. Yeah. Well, and I think that's so important right now to be talking about is the shamer play really is about making you feel guilty. Mm-hmm. And ashamed of yourself in some way. And ashamed of yourself for having just a basic need and being judging. Right. And critical. <laughs> exactly. And Rude. Exactly. (laughs) And I look at pictures of me in that dress. I was a size two. Yes. And that's the thing that when they shame you or attempt to shame you, it's not true. I was a size two. It was a gorgeous dress. I mean, it really was. And I look great. But what is the reason behind it? It is so that he can have control of your emotions. He can get you to emote about him. And that you are not confident. It is to have power and control over you. That's the reason that they do that. So that is my example. So now I have 3.5 points. Yay. Yay. So now Lisa is winning. Yes. Or maybe not. No, I'm just kidding. So it looks like we're coming to a close. But before we, you know, end, we're excited because our community is growing. And so. Yes, but we do have one other part that we forgot. And that is Ask Brit and Lisa. It is time for Ask Brit and Lisa. So the today's question is, how is emotionally distancing as healthy as social distancing? And Brit, I'm going to let you answer that question. (laughs) Yeah. So this is a great question, especially with what's going on right now is emotional distancing is critical, like we've been talking about, just like social distancing is because you start to one, become in control of your own emotions, your emotional health. Mm -hmm. And that's really what we're talking about and how to be mentally strong and really you taking accountability of what's important in your life. And having your life reflect that. And so just like how we're learning the social distancing, we're having to be mindful of the people around us and we're protecting them of germs. That's what emotional Mm -hmm. distancing is, is you realize, you know what, just because I'm frustrated, I'm not going to project that onto someone else. My words really do matter. They really can impact someone. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, a personal story just to share with you is so, and I asked them if I could share this and they said that I could, but my father, 
had cardiac arrest mm. two years ago. Mm. And so he and my mom, their life changed in an instant. Right. And he thankfully has become healed and has become stronger. But for two years, their new norm mm-hmm. became really kind of social isolating. They had to be very mindful of, you know, what they were eating, mm-hmm. you know, taking care of themselves, exercising and what they did and what they weren't doing. And so even though the world was going on around them, they had to adjust to a new norm. Right. So while we are right now as a country, you know, adjusting to this new norm, it feels awkward. Right. It's hard. Mm-hmm. And I think it's such a great time to learn what emotional health is. Yes. Because I can be in the same physical space as someone else and still allow them to have their opinions, Mm -hmm. allow them to have their thoughts and not engage, interact with that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, one of the things, and I think Lucy wanted me to read this, is someone had asked my mom, one of her friends, she was really struggling, you know, Mm -hmm. saying like, how do I do this? And my mom, you know, wrote back to her and it said, you know, when my dad had had the cardiac arrest years ago, their lives changed by social distancing and cleaning everything they touched Mm -hmm. because his immune system was so low and interesting while they were making their changes, the world was continuing as normal. Mm -hmm. And so she can tell you that it was challenging, but now it's their new normal. And, you know, her prayer, and I guess you're my prayer, Lisa, Mm -hmm. is that we will see good come out of this, that there is a shift that people start to one understand what narcissistic abuse is. It's an invisible abuse Mm -hmm. that affects 160 million people in the United States. People are not educated by it. And so by us slowing things down emotionally and learning this emotional distancing, learning this emotional pause, hopefully we'll be able to highlight this. Mm And I think our other prayer, and I think some of the good that can come out of the social distancing is our lives matter and who we spend time with. The five people that you surround yourself with, that's who you're going to become like. And are those people that you're around caring? Are they loving? Is your community? Exactly. And if it's not, and if you've been with a narc lease, I think you probably, I know you experienced this. I'm not trying to speak for you, but- They will isolate you. Oh, absolutely. And so that's one of our hopes, you know, with creating this community is that, you know, we're going to come alongside you Mm -hmm. and, you know, help you really learn how to emotionally distance in a really, really, really healthy way. Exactly. I could not have said it better. Could not have said it better. And I love your parents. I love your parents. Everybody, Britt's parents are just fantastic. So fantastic. And I keep them in my prayers. Your father is doing so much better, looks great. And I continue to pray for both of them and their health and strength. Well, thank you. Yeah, they're very kind and, you know, (laughs) grateful to have them right now and praying for everyone right now because it is scary right now. It is. You know, what is going on. So that's everyone out there. If, you know, someone that you care about is suffering and is 
right. struggling with the virus or what have you, you know, please know that our prayers are with you. Right and right. And remember, as we said in our last time out, reach out, help, because not only will you be helping them, you'll be helping yourself too. Because as you know, exactly. the yeah. feelings that you get physiologically from helping someone else actually is positive feelings for you and helps your body physiologically also. So it looks like our right. time is up. We ask that each of you join us each Tuesday for Time Out. Join us on your favorite podcast as we take the time out to teach you about who the narc is and how to become an NBG game changer. Invite your friends. And you can also join us at narcbegone.com. So Lisa, are you in? I am. <laughs> Britt, mm-hmm. are you in? <laughs> I am. So let's so get, get your, your game, game face on. <laughs> and and let's, let's make that narc be gone. <laughs> Bye. Because <laughs> my life is mine and it's time I take it back. I'm gonna make that not be gone. True love is divine, and of it I will not lack. I'm gonna make that not be gone. I am a light against the darkness, is he? Haunting his game, I will no longer be. My truth will shine and causes chaos to see. Will not thrive upon a feast of me. My life is mine, and it's time I take it back. I'm gonna make that not be gone. True love is divine, and it I will not lack. I'm gonna make that not be gone. I'm gonna make that not be gone. I'm gonna make. That